0: running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at linode.com slash rubyrogues. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 350 of the Ruby Rogues
1: podcast. Woo. Woohoo!
0: This week we we got kind of a small panel. We've got uh Dave Kimura, Hey, everyone, and David Richards. Hello. And I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. I should just go by David or Dave or some other variant of David, right? David, <laughs> call me David. <laughs> welcome to the welcome to the club. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I don't I just don't fit in anymore, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so, so yeah, so uh, I, I, I tend to, I don't know what it was. I think it was just episode 50. We did something different and ever since then it's just kind of been a, a, a sort of tradition to just kind of do whatever we want for <laughs> the whatever 50th anniversary or uh, anniversary episode. So yeah, so uh, it, it'll be kind of interesting to just see where we wind up. But um, one thing that I'm kind of curious about, you know, just to start things off is um you know you guys have been on the show for you know I think Dave, you said you've been on for like a year or something at this point uh Dave, yeah. you've been on for a while um uh-huh. so yeah so I, I i think just just to start out since you know you haven't been on for a ton of time um I just kinda tell people where you're at, uh you know professionally like where where you're working what you're doing there. Um, You know, and also just kind of give a paint a picture of kind of what your daily life is like.
1: All right. Uh, So I guess since I have the seniority over David here, I guess I'll go first. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I'm still at the same job. I'm with uh, Sage Software, and it's been a great company to work at. I've been there for almost nine years now, which is crazy to believe. Um, I didn't always start out in. I know. I know. I'm quite the anomaly. But, you know, I do want to say about that, even though I've been there for so long and I think people kind of start to develop habits when they get into a uh, repetition or pattern. And I've tried very intentionally to not get stuck in my career. So I constantly learn. I'm constantly doing new things, playing around with stimulus, with other uh, JavaScript frameworks, and also just continuing my education uh largely through what i 'm doing on Drift or Ruby, but I try not to say stagnant in what i 'm learning, and I think that that 's something that a lot of people fall into that trap when they 've been at a job for so long, so if that is one of your worries, you know don 't worry, you can still say committed to a company while keep learning and progressing with your own self and then with uh, Drift drifter ruby over the past year actually just more recently in the past few months uh it went pro so i have a subscription base now where users can sign up and you know pay me a small amount monthly for uh, access to the pro resources uh some of the pro episodes and i'm actually you know to, you know shameless plug here running a promotion for nine dollars a month through the end of february and after that it goes up to fifteen. So if you haven't signed up, you know, support me, yay, and uh get some awesome tutorials, what I think is awesome. So I mean that's really it. I haven't had any new kids uh the past you know, several years. It's been like I had a new kid every year. So I'm up to three and I think I've kinda you know, hopefully stagnated there and <laughs> won't add too many more to the mix. <laughs> but you know, it's great. I love them. And, uh, I definitely try not to, I try to have a good work life balance and work. I'm lumping in what I do with Sage, what I do at home on the computer at night. And I try to make sure that when the kids are up or when the wife is up, that I'm spending time with them, you know, quality time with yeah. them, not checking my phone and stuff like that, just to you know try to have some kind of separation between all of this Ruby world. And then my real life daughter, Ruby.
2: That's dedication. I love it. <laughs> oh. So
1: that's kind of what I've been up to. Um, so I want to say that not much has changed, except everything's changed because it's a whole year later. I've learned so much in the past year, and I still love what I'm doing.
2: Awesome, love it. You can only cross the uh, the same river once, right? It all changes, even though it looks the same. It, you know, you can say the same job, but it's new challenges and new experiences and you're different. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. So I've I've been doing well, too. I've uh, I my day job is at um, a company called DiviPay. And so we are a fintech company, which means we deal with all kinds of security issues and money issues and bank issues and people issues. And uh, it's fun because the, the work matters. Um, I work on the core team there, and I do the data science there. So that means that uh, I'll, I'll be spinning up data models on a typical day. Uh, I use a lot of Python. I use Ruby. I use a lot of Elixir. Um, I use uh, whatever tools I need are. So I, I I end up in a polyglot day. I don't know what my day is going to look like. It's based on what what I'm trying to solve and, and where I'm at. Um, but it's pretty fun. I I, I found that. You know, over the years, I'm, I'm, uh, I've, I've been doing this long enough. I, I really enjoy the work and the thinking, you know, and, and, and I, I it's a privilege, I guess, to be able to just get up and, and solve a problem and, and do something that matters or that I think matters, uh, or care about what I do. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's my, my, my work, my main, main work. And then I, I, I write a lot. I, I find that for me anyway, uh, you know, I've learned all these programming languages, and I've learned all this tech and patterns. But what I've learned is abstractions, and I've learned um, shortcuts. And I'm learning to slow down and relate to people and to connect more with how other people are experiencing their lives. And so, what I practice is just writing. I write English. I write articles. I write fiction. I write every day. And, and what's doing, what that's doing for me is it's, it's kind of like learning a new programming language, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I get it. There's a, you know, some learner over there that I'm, I'm writing an article for and I'm I'm seeing if I can teach them and I can empower them and, and get clear on what they need to know and what they don't need to know and, and try to keep myself from getting off the deep end too often and, you know, have fun with people. So I, I do that. Um and family life is great you know we're we're just about empty nesters in our family, so uh we've got our uh we our oldest lives with us so so we're getting there early you know i'm in my mid forties and um so we've got a boy in college and he's moving out here soon and out of here soon and then my other two kids they live with their mom and you know it's just life is more about what what I give to it. And, and, uh, it's, it, you know, it used to be all about, okay, I've got to hit the job. I've got the young kids, I've got diapers, I've got this, this, this run around for the kids. And now it's just more about what do we want to do and what's important in our lives. So
0: it's interesting. I can't even fathom anything close to emptiness, right?
1: Right. Dave? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned diapers and it's like, There's diapers, all clean diapers, unused diapers, all over the house. Oh, yeah. You know, the kids get in them and different sizes and reorganizing them. It's just our house is a tornado uh, event every single day.
0: Yep, absolutely. (laughs) I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) So, uh,
2: yeah. You know, there is another joy, though. Like, as you guys are talking about that, my. Almost seventeen-year-old just texted about learning CSS and JavaScript and starting a domain, and I never thought he'd code. So I mean, it's really fun on this end too because they're oh, taking sure. life on. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty awesome to see them learn too, and, and, and to be fresh with it, and and, uh, and excited the way that they're excited. Nice.
1: Until so, they start critiquing your code.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which he's done. He's done that. He's been right. <laughs> well, he, he likes to keep things really clean. Uh, and <laughs> I can sometimes just use duct tape and bailing wire to get the job done. So
0: <laughs> You may give me a code review, but I'm still the parent. <laughs>
2: <laughs> clean your room. I'll clean the code. You go clean your room. There you go. Oh,
0: uh, so yeah, so I, I guess uh I should chime in here too. So um I think I think people are pretty aware that most of what I do these days is uh work on stuff around the podcasts. Um now I, I know I some people ask me the question, so I'm just gonna answer it right here, um, on how much how much do you actually get to code? Right? Because, you know, usually I'm emailing people and lining up uh guests or I'm emailing people and Working on like uh, the remote conferences and things like that, and um, the the honest answer is it depends on the week. I do actually schedule time to code, which is kind of weird to think about. You know, for most people that listen to the show, because you know you you have to schedule the time that you're not going to code, right? To to go to do your meetings and your you know your other stuff. Um, but for me, it, that's kind of been the the focus. And most of my code actually revolves around the podcast, too. So I've been working on a system that helps manage the podcast workflow. Um, at this point, um, it's fairly usable as far as scheduling the podcasts go. And I'm just about to pull everything together so that uh, Zapier can connect to it. And that way, as people schedule, because we use schedule once to get people on a calendar... And so, yeah, I'll just use Zapier to, because I I don't, I don't want to build the calendar piece. Um, so, yeah, so I'll use schedule once, it'll hit Zapier, Zapier will hit the system and make sure that it's in the calendar. So, anyway, that's been fun and interesting. Um, and I've, I've really been enjoying that part of things. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I work from home. I think we all do, actually, or at least part of the time. I think, I think Dave does some of the time. I know, uh, David, most of the time, I believe, um,
2: much as I can.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, so, so I'm here at home running the the show here. And, uh, so, you know, I get to see my family pretty regularly. Um, now I'm married, I have five kids. Uh, my oldest is 12. My youngest is two. Um, and so, yeah, they it's funny cause it's, it's a two-year difference between all of them, except the last two, which is a four-year difference, and that really just came down to the fact that we had trouble getting pregnant the fifth time. Go figure. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's just a different feel for, of life. Um, in the last two weeks, I've been traveling, so it's like it's like what what does work feel like again? So
1: anyway, and you leave your wife home with five kids.
0: Well, three of them go to school. <laughs> <laughs> so so it only, it only half counts because they're gone half the day. Half of them are gone half the day. Um, my oldest is actually homeschooled, so um, oh wow. So that's yeah, that's an interesting uh, mix to go in. But he has uh, ADHD, and mm-hmm. you know he it, he has some behavioral issues that make it difficult for him to sit through school all day long. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and you know he's he's not a bad kid or anything, and he's not getting bored. It's just. It's just the nature of the way that he is that, you know, um, we had some incidents at the school and so it was like, well, we'll just pull him out. So we did, but yeah, so, so yeah, so, so yeah, I spend a lot of time just kind of doing life. Um, but yeah, you know, a lot of what you said, Dave, really resonates with me because it's like, look, and I'm doing this and then I spend, you know, I'm, I'm out getting quality time with my family.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. You know, uh, there's one thing that David said that really kind of struck some interest on me. And I don't know if you guys want to talk about this a bit, but it was around him using multiple languages, different languages, Python, Elixir, Ruby. And so I was thinking about that the other day and I was talking with a coworker and some other people. And I think I've came to a conclusion and, you know, it's just my own personal opinion but i think a lot of us get into a situation where we we're not necessarily bored with a language like you know i do a lot of ruby and mm. i don't get bored with it but sometimes something new comes around like uh elixir phoenix and a lot of people just jump ship from ruby and go to that trader yeah
0: <laughs> and so okay i am <laughs> i can't you know, help it you my
1: thought but... about that
0: i've i've heard the I've heard the sentiment expressed anyway,
1: but <laughs> my thought I think it has a bit of a twist is it's not so much uh there's nothing wrong with learning a new language to get under your tool belt, but I think that if you are going to learn another language to get under your tool belt to replace an existing one that does not have problems, you know, for uh, other than the uh, speed or concurrency that Elixir brings, what are you really gaining? The end result, the thing that the client is going to see, you know, in the general cases, if you're dealing with something that has a million requests per second, yeah, you may need to shift your focus. But talk about the average application or thing that you're creating is it providing any kind of benefit over something else so i came to the conclusion with the different languages is that if you are wanting to pick up pick up something else not because you're bored with your current language but you just want to further your career or open up new doors i don't know if replacing one tool set that you have with another tool set you know i.e programming languages is really the right choice instead you should learn another language that will open up different avenues. So if I'm a Ruby developer doing web development or making CLIs, command line uh, interfaces, then if I want to get into something like artificial intelligence or machine learning, then I should focus on Python because now I will have my Ruby knowledge doing the Ruby stuff and then I can have a Python that runs on the backend server that does machine language, Uh, machine learning and all of this other kind of stuff that would complement what I'm doing with Ruby. So it's not a replacement of Ruby, it's a complement to Ruby. And same thing with uh, other languages, whether it's Swift or Java for doing Android development, don't have it replace what your main stack is, Mm -hmm. but just use, uh, learn different things that will complement what you're already doing. That way you're expanding your horizons.
2: You know, I I think that's right. I I had a I don't know if I want to admit this, but I'm gonna. So uh in two thousand one, I was working on a, a master's degree and a good friend of mine is Kendall Oliphant. And he introduced me to his brother Travis. And so Travis is um well, then he was just Travis, and we had this conversation about Python versus Ruby. He wanted to do some numerical computing, and I had done some numerical computing with Ruby and I really liked how you know I could I the, the, I could build DSL d- domain specific languages around my problem and I liked that I felt like I could be really comfortable with Ruby. And so I argued, you know, don't do Python, don't waste your time with Python, you know, do this other. And he was working at the time, he was writing NumPy which is the the core uh <laughs> yeah. core piece. Yeah, he wrote Anaconda, he wrote <laughs> NumPy, he does all the sci fi stuff, he's you know getting awards from DARPA. The guy knows how to do numerical computing really, really well. Um and anyway, so I, I found it was interesting because we had this conversation because I thought, you know, that my, my 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 the way I was thinking about the problem was well, it's still always the people, it's the slowest. Make people productive the rest we can figure out, you know, and, um, and, and I think though that like what you just said, you know, there are tools that are better and there's momentum. Inertia matters. You know, when we, when we get into an environment where I don't want to reinvent the whole world. Um, I did have a data problem this week that, um, I pulled out Ruby and I solved it beautifully and gracefully. And, and the people I was with were Astounded. It's like, well, yeah, I know how to do what I'm doing. <laughs> I just use the right tool for the job and mm-hmm. and and it works out just fine.
0: Yeah, I really love the ideas behind it. And it's interesting because uh, you know, this this ties back into some of the other things that I've been thinking about. Um I, I've had a lot of requests for uh language and framework specific podcasts, but as I talk to more and more people what I'm really finding is that areas of focus are are the places that I want to go next, right? So we have a Ruby show and an Angular show and a JavaScript show, and we're starting a React show and a Vue show and an Elixir show. But it's funny because I talk to people and and they're like, well, where are you going to go next? And as excited as people are for the React show and the Elixir show and the Vue show, when I tell them, oh, well, I want to do an AI machine learning show and I want to do, a you know, for developers. I want to do an IoT show for developers. And, you know, yeah, we'll mm-hmm. probably do a Python show that will cover, you know, help, help with, you know, kind of, uh, it, it'll be a Python show on its own. But the reason we'd be doing a Python show is because most people are using it in the machine learning space. And it's funny because people get super excited about that. And I think sometimes, you know, we, we get into our camps. And we, you know, it's like, well, Ruby is awesome for everything. And then the reality is, is that there's that other part of us that kind of dreams up what we can code. It dreams up what we can create. And, yeah. and so, you know, when we talk about machine learning, we talk about, uh, you know, mobile development, we talk about some of these other areas that we can expand into. Um, I, I think opening up, opening ourselves up to actually expanding into those spaces even if it gets us outside of that comfort zone that we have with Ruby, I think is really, really valuable. And I think, I think you really nailed it between the two of you, just to, describing, you know part of why we are what we are and the way we are.
2: Yeah. I, I love that. I, I keep going back to what drives me, you know, where my imagination wants to go, what problems I think I can solve. It. And I love that power. You know I mean, it doesn't actually take that much. You know, we get in, we learn a little bit of language, we get a a rhythm, we learn how to fix, troubleshoot a problem when there's a problem. And now we have the base tools. We can usually start building something pretty amazing at that point. And um, so I I love the empowerment. I love the imagination part of it. I love the um, fact that one person or a few people can do great things. And. And, and and I also love that if I'm in my comfort zone, then none of that's there. <laughs> if I'm just comfortable that I don't have that curiosity, that that drive. And I wanna learn, you know, I've got to keep learning. So uh, definitely stepping out of my comfort zone is important for me.
1: Yeah, and I wish I had more time to do that. Um, but you know, I say so busy that I've really been trying to pick up some more machine learning, you know, with Python and to expand my horizons a bit, but I find that,
2: you know, there's just not much time to do it. So. <laughs> Plus, machine learning is a little bit weird. You know, a lot of things we can learn yeah. and pick them up a little at a time, but machine learning seems to be, you know, a, a little bit of a bigger uh, uh, bite. You know, we're, we're going a little bit deeper, and, and we're talking about things on a abstract layer that we're not used to thinking about it. So it takes a little bit more of a jump, but I – yeah, you can still do it. <laughs> I yeah. love it a time. You're fine.
0: <laughs> well, the other thing is, is that with I mean, with typical programming, especially the kind of thing we do in Ruby. Um, yes, it's object oriented, but it's very procedural in my mind. Right. It's we're going to build a system that does X. Right. We We have mm-hmm. all the object oriented tools. We have some functional tools in Ruby, but but ultimately it's here's how you do x and with machine learning the thought process is how do i build a system that finds the optimal path to x and the optimal path to x mm-hmm. is still a black box i mean even a neural network that has um you know values on each node that value different things in different ways and blah 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 and you think about all of that i mean at the end of the day it's still a black box you don't understand why those numbers are there you just know that in the end you get the result you want And that's a completely different type of setup. You know, we're still programming procedurally on how to figure out the the solution. But the the actual path to the solution, once you give it data or give it, you know, some other thing to work on, is completely foreign. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Uh, One thing, though, that I've been doing a lot lately is I've just been borrowing from the Ruby knowledge that I have, again, to solve that type Mm -hmm. of a problem you know we test drive everything we slow down and and create clarity and you know if i'm thorough and clear and i can understand what i'm doing that's that's what's required you know and and so sometimes i just want to throw something out there oh it looks good but instead i'll i'll build a baseline model and say oh this is kind of the shape this is kind of what it would look like maybe it can get a little bit better but you know try to understand the 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 thing i'm trying to do i guess um but yeah, the Ruby community is incredibly good at those types of assurances. Reliability matters for us mm-hmm. uh, a lot. And um and I find that every time I pull my hair out, it's like, "Oh yeah, I I loaded data that I I didn't test or <laughs> I didn't take a look at the shape of, of what this should look like when I'm done mm-hmm. or I you know, I I I it was the same principles just needs to be applied even with even with these kinds of problems. Um, because you're right you know i can have this you know all these layers of all these nodes and i don't know what any of them mean and so i need to have something outside of that that starts to tell me oh yeah and um so yeah i do i I think about my ruby heroes um (laughs) and what they've taught me and whether or not i'm you know whether I would be proud in their eyes <laughs> if they were to look at me today, <laughs> or they would shake their head and said, you know, we we did teach you a better way, Dave. Um, so I don't know.
1: <laughs> I was just gonna say if you don't have trouble with anxiety, just program like someone standing over your shoulders. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm I'm curious what what yeah. are you guys working on, learning these days, or or what kinds of projects are you or are you doing? I mean, we've talked a little bit about this, but. All
1: right. So uh, right now I'm building a bookshelf in my basement for. (laughs) So I I like doing woodworking and, you know, I have a CNC machine down there and a laser uh, machine. And uh, my CNC machine, actually, the first version of it, my Mark one was uh, built using Ruby. So I built on a breadboard controllers that, uh, you know, controlled stepper motors and wrote an interface in Ruby that would take G code and then make it, turn it into uh, a multi-threaded working with, uh, the stepper motors. So I've since moved away from that, but you know, that was my fun first outside of web development Ruby project. Um, so I like using that as much as possible. But uh, when I'm not doing the woodworking or spending time with kids, you know, I'm always trying to see, you know, what's out there, what's new, and to see how I can apply it in my daily life uh, on stuff. So um, right now it's just trying to pick up some Python and uh, really get into that because as much resources is out there for Python. I think it's still kind of scarce in compared to the Ruby world. So um, my Ruby's not going anywhere anytime soon. I would say it's probably 10 years before, you know, anything severe like that happens. Mm-hmm. But I really want to get into more of the machine learning and Python um, and Raspberry Pi 3 stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's
2: what I've been doing. One thing I've noticed in the Python world is there's kind of one true way to do most things, and so the documentation lacks because oh, there was that one way, and somebody mentioned it once, <laughs> and that bridge between what you know people are experiencing what they need and 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 where they're going is is kind of big sometimes. Uh, so Stack Overflow tends to be some of the best <laughs> documentation in Python versus, you know, like Ruby guides. Or I mean, we do really well training each other. We've had a, a long history of of that. Um, one project I've been taking on, and it's a little bit off and on, because um, I'm doing it with my daughter. She's 14, and uh, she has school, and she has other interests. She has a sleepover tonight, so you know, I don't know. But we're doing a podcast. We're working on one. So it's data science, local interest, regional interest. We live in the uh, – well, she lives in the Wasatch Front. I live on the Wasatch back. Uh, <laughs> I live on the other side of the mountain. But uh,
0: <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I don't know if that's a distinction but, that people will follow. But, yeah, yeah, right?
2: <laughs> so in Utah, we have the Wasatch Mountains, and the Wasatch Front is where everybody lives, and I live out in the boondocks. But it's called Wasatch Limits, and the idea is that we'll just talk about things like population and healthcare and water and, and, and traffic and air quality, um, because she's interested in, in this. And so we're mixing our, our interests and we've been recording shows. We haven't put anything out yet because we're, we're building a rhythm still, but, um, but it's been really fascinating, uh, to, to work at that level to say, Oh, I get it. This is how she wants to think about it or, you know, work with her a little bit. So it's been a really fun one. You know, and I think it's one that we can do for, for several years where she'll be uh, interested in this and it won't be too busy, I hope.
0: Interview Cake makes coding interviews a piece of cake. Here's the problem with most coding interview practice. You work on a problem, bang your head against the wall, give up, and look up the answer. And then you're like, what? How do you even come up with something like that? That's why Interview Cake teaches you step-by-step step how to come up with clever algorithms. They break it down into a simple set of patterns that can be applied to any problem. To learn more, check out interviewcake.com slash rubyrogues. Ruby Rogues listeners get 20% off Interview Cake's full online coding interview prep course. To sign up today, go to interviewcake.com slash rubyrogues. That's really cool. I've been uh, trying to pull together podcasting with my kids for a while. And um, I got everything set up for a gaming podcast with my 12-year-old, my oldest. And then he started this uh, therapy that they basically limited his screen time. And so uh, we, we we were just about to get it off the ground and then we didn't. And so we're, we're you know, and, and he's at least for the next little while, I think still going to be doing this therapy. So I've been trying to find that other topic. So, you know, kudos to you for figuring that out because you know, you you want it to be approachable for kids and for adults and, you know, you, you want it to be something that you enjoy doing together. And it's just it's hard to find that balance, I think, sometimes.
2: <clears throat> yeah. Plus, and I don't know, I think every parent experiences this, but uh, sometimes I'm, I'm I'm overwhelming, you know, and I try not to be. Mm-hmm. I try to to slow down and, and listen, but, man, I can get excited. And just like I would with code, I'll jump in and boom, let's do this, this, or this. Oh, wait a minute. I'm, yep. <laughs> I'm bulldozing my kid here, so I've got to slow down a little <laughs> bit.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, I
2: wouldn't be doing the same
1: thing. Yeah, well, my son still (laughs) just pees in his pants because he thinks it's fun. He's three, so (laughs) I guess that's normal. (laughs) You know, he just he just looks straight at me. That's his pants get darker and darker. I'm like, really? Come on, man. (laughs)
2: i've got a scene from breaking bad in my mind now (laughs) where the guy in the wheelchair just stares down the police and just does it in his pants (laughs) i'll show you and you got to clean this up (laughs)
0: right he know he knows where the power lies that's right yeah so most of my learning lately has been more on the business end of things so um, I hired a business coach last year. I hired a different one this year. Uh, learned different things from both of them, you know. And I think some people were like, they're like, well, why'd you switch? And it was, well, um, you know, the first business coach taught me enough about what I needed to know to figure out that I needed the other business coach. And, it, you know, it wasn't that she did anything wrong. It just, she's used to coaching people at a different place in their business than I'm at with the podcasting business. And so, you know, I, I knew that this other coach had a lot of experience teaching people how to do what I needed to learn how to do. And that basically comes down to building processes around the business and then, um, you know, just, you know, performing and, you know, stuff like that. But that said, I mean, it's funny because I have this superpower, for lack of a better term, um, in my uh pocket that I have taken advantage of with a lot of the automation stuff and that's code. And so I've, I've been building a system. Eric actually kicked me in the head about what, four or five months ago and basically said, cause I was complaining about building these processes and then not having people follow them. And he's like, you're a programmer, dude, write a program that follows the process. Oh, <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> um, and so now I've got a system that helps manage a lot of the scheduling and stuff for the shows. And, you know um this is not something that that you guys are using yet but eventually you know i want to build in all of the show prep stuff and the show notes stuff and that way you know um and and we have to move off of Skype soon and and that's another thing that i'm working on right um cuz Skype changed i don't know if they changed the terms of service or if i just never read them but it said, and dave he, uh messaged me about this but apparently when you record uh something like this on Skype um, you're supposed to mention every 15 minutes so you're recording it on Skype, and I'm like, oh, oh. I'm like, okay. This call
1: is currently being recorded on Skype.
2: Yeah, there we go. There you go. <laughs> so that's why they do it on the radio. Whenever they do a Skype call, I always mention it's on Skype. Yeah.
0: and you know it makes sense, but at the same time, there's so many other systems out there that you can use. So I'm trying to figure that out and just make it all work, but it's. Yeah. So, so all of that and then just tying it all together so that people can easily consume things the way that they want them. So, um, so yeah, so most of my learning has been there, but it has been, it was funny cause I ha I didn't realize when I went back to start building the system, by the way, it's at podwrench.com. It is, you, you probably won't even be able to figure out how to sign up. Um, but anyway, um, that said, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't really written rails for a while when I started building it. And all of a sudden it's like, it's like, oh, I remember why I love this. And so, and, and, you know, like I said, that was like four or five months ago. And so I've been working on it since then. And yeah, I mean that, that's kind of where it's at is finding that blend between business and, um, and, you know, and code and just where all that fits. And what's funny is, is now I have, uh, friends of mine, including that coach that I had last year, you know they reach out to me and they're like okay um we see these systems that we can program against they have an API you know how do we make everything connect and so it's been interesting to have that come full circle now and i'm actually consulting on other people's business on how they can use code in a way that's different from um people coming in and saying we have this app that needs to be built can you do it and so anyway mm-hmm. it's it's been really really just fascinating way to learn a lot of this stuff and um, and yeah, so,
1: yeah, the best kind of business management is the kind that you don't have to do.
0: Yep. And that's or what you I'm can write a toward. program to do. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm working toward is, yeah. oh, I'm going to monitor this by looking at the freaking dashboard, right? <laughs> and then go, right, yep, yeah. it's still doing what it's <laughs> supposed to do. And then, you know, it also just checks in on the status of the stuff that people have to do. And so I can, at a glance, just say, hey, why isn't this happening the way that it's supposed to? Or, hey, everything's happening the way that it's supposed to. Do. Pat on the back, out of boy, way to go. And so, yeah. Yeah.
1: I think a lot of people, you know, that's on the client side, they just don't see what it takes or the manual sets that you're doing to make mm-hmm. something work. So, for like the Drifter Ruby, you know, I was using Stripe. Uh, I am using Stripe for the payment processing. And it's not as simple as just connecting Stripe and then you're off and you're going. You know, there's still a lot of day-to-day management that you may do, whether it's running reports or whatever else. So, you know, that was something that I found myself doing that I was having to access multiple views or pages to mm-hmm. get an accurate count of things or whatever. And so, you know, I just tapped into their webhooks and you know started to you know build a view, write a program that would then just Give me a dashboard view of everything that I wanted to see. Because their mobile app sucks for getting an (laughs) accurate subscription count. And the website doesn't really show you a good accurate count. So
0: I'm laughing because I have been there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, I've done a lot of that too. You know, I mean, not necessarily with Stripe, but just in general, having a pipeline where I can run my life. You know, hey, like, throw this in here and I'll see it. You know, if that's a dashboard or if that's uh, my inbox, my email inbox or my Twitter feed, there's got to be a way to get things I care about and maybe hold on to one for longer than six months. That's my next challenge. I don't know.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I've automated uh, even stuff like that with work where, you know, we're using a ticketing system and within Slack, someone may reference Hey, have you looked at this ticket number yet? I have no freaking idea. I have you know, I cannot correlate that number to a ticket I haven't seen, or maybe I just never took note of the number. So I made Slack, wrote a little parser that it would pick up any kind of ticket numbers that or what looked like a ticket number, made an API call out to the ticketing system to get the title and a link that I can then just from within Slack click on it to then go in there and access the ticket to have a look at it. So just little tiny things like that that I use Ruby for to make my life better.
2: I like that. Yeah. I, I love Slack for that, too. Slack's so amazing to, to, to grab what's going on and put it in context. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've been using Splunk at work, but the same thing would work with uh, uh, the Elasticsearch stack. The Elastic Mm -hmm. Stack, you know, the same idea that, you know, if it's Slack or if it's Splunk or if it's Elasticsearch, that there's a way to put everything in some place where I see it. Splunk's the logging Mm -hmm. tool, right? It is. It's the um, Elasticsearch is the open source version or the open source replica. Somebody's tried to do what Uh Splunk does with Elasticsearch. So it's dashboarding and it's uh, data pipelines and then some analysis so you can um, you can get what you need. Gotcha. It just basically has a MapReduce key key value store uh, for all your logging or all your events. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found stuff like I can take a spreadsheet, you know, and that's uh, what I use Ruby for sometimes. Is I'll take a, a bit of spreadsheet, turn it into JSON, create a curl request and send that up to Splunk. And then everybody has the latest version of what somebody was working on. And then I can cross reference that with other data from databases or logs and show the whole thing, you know, in context of this is what we think, you know, so it's, it's the informal parts of a business, you know, the parts Mm -hmm. that don't get done or the parts that somebody does want, you know, that nobody talks about Mm -hmm. bringing those together so that we know it's all working. You know, that's, that's, I Mm -hmm. think where uh, an organization starts to really flow together.
0: I was going to say you're such a nerd, but I was the one that kind of started this topic. So, <laughs> uh. But yeah, you know, it's, and it's, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I've just felt so empowered by so much of this stuff and yeah, just recognizing, yeah, you know, we have the power to really kind of shape way more than just what the app does when we turn the server on.
1: Mm-hmm. So Chuck, What's your vision for where Ruby Rugs Ruby will be in the next year as far as some of the apps that you're running? What would the experience, you know, how would it be different?
0: So uh, a lot of this, a lot of the stuff that you're asking me about is stuff that the audience wouldn't necessarily see. But I think people are interested in how the the sort of how the sausage factory works, so to speak, right? Um, and so essentially the way that I see it is um, the the process kind of starts uh, with, you know, getting guests scheduled or getting topics scheduled. And so um, what I'd like to see is, you know, we typically do that with schedule once, but, you know, we can also just have, you know, you, you guys have access to the guest calendar. So you could just block a day out. Right. And say, uh, I want to talk about whatever. Right. So. You know, maybe uh, David feels like, hey, you know what, I, I've done a whole bunch of Ruby data science stuff and, you know, I'd kind of like to be the expert on that one. And so he puts it in the calendar. But either way, um, you know, the the episode gets created in the system, you know, either through Zapier Schedule Once, or because somebody creates it. And then um, it contacts everybody involved. So it would contact all of the hosts and say, hey, there's a new episode it would contact the guest and say hey there's a new episode um come and use this form to put in all of the prep uh, materials we currently use google uh google docs for that and you know the the i don't know the process isn't completely seamless let's just put it that way so uh you know typically uh eric is you know bugging me a couple days before where's the google doc you know and it exists and it's been edited but um you know so i just want that email to go out uh to everybody and say hey you know blah 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 you know so you just have to whitelist the the one email address and make sure that those get delivered to your inbox and then um it'll also let the hosts know that they can post questions that they either want answered before the show or that they may bring up during the show and that gives the the guest or the, you know, subject matter expert sometime to, you know, they can put a short answer in, um, you know, and uh they, you know, they they can also just prep and make sure that they're ready to answer those questions. I mean, obviously you can't prep for everything. Sometimes we just come up with stuff while we're talking, right? It's like, Oh, I hadn't thought about this before, but what about this? And, you know, so, so it's not perfect, but it gets, it gets us to that place. And then um as we record, so then it would send out, um, Reminders to people. Hey, the episode is in a week. Um, you know, the, the guest has added the prep information, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that gives everybody a chance to prepare. Um, and, and that, that kind of works now, but it's, like I said, it's kind of hacked together and a little bit, uh, clunky. So, you know, this would all just be set up and configured by the podcast uh, owner and all of that would get sent in sent out to everybody so you know it will it would also send calendar invites to people and if they reply you know to to accept or decline that way we know who's going to show up and so like if ever for an episode let's say that everybody winds up you know we're all going to go to RubyConf, and so everybody declines the episode then we can reschedule it we can plan on doing it at RubyConf. You know, but it it gives me a whole bunch of information or whoever's running the show a whole bunch of information about who's going to be there. Maybe I find some guests to help fill out the panel. Uh, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah. So that, that's all before the show. And then when we record, um, I've, I've, I've been wanting to play with Action Cable for a while. And so I kind of want to set up just a really simple chat. But all it is, is, is just, you know, I mean, people can post questions to it and stuff. It'll work kind of like a chat. But it's also then all of that it works in the app and gets compiled into information for whoever's writing the show notes. And that way, you know, they don't have to figure out how to what, how, what the heck is RSpec, right? So they go on and, you know, A-R-S-P-E-C-K, you know, they're not finding anything, <laughs> uh, you know, and so, um, anyway, just setting things up that way. And then, um, WordPress actually has an API. So once the show notes are written, then they can um they can just post it to the system and it'll put it in the r s s feed and it'll also put it in um, the on the web page and schedule it to be released at the right day and time mm-hmm. um, There were a few other things um I wanted to do the follow up with the guests and say, "Hey, you know the episode was posted here's how you share it um I want it to um." I want the, so when I finish recording, I, I basically want it to either, um, and, and this is going to change too because, um, if, depending on what we move our recording system to, the recordings may wind up getting auto recorded and saved somewhere on the, in the cloud as opposed to, you know, to my machine like it does right now. And so if, if we wind up using some other system that does that, then as soon as it's recorded, then all I have to do is post a link to the file, otherwise um, you know it just tells them it's recorded and then the editor should know where to go find it um, but yeah then the edit so the editor downloads the the podcast episode it tells them what sponsors are in there, all the banners are all set up. if we have any remnant space which is just uh, you know a podcast sponsorship spot that doesn't get filled, then it you know I, I have to manually fill those right now. Um, so have it just automatically know, hey, look, you know, we're filling with these. And so it could be a course that I've put together. It could be, a, you know what, um, this is Ruby Rogues and Dave's a panelist. And so, you know, we've given him a killer deal or free, you know, remnant space advertising on Ruby Rogues for Drifting Ruby. You know, so yeah, however that works,
1: like that.
0: you know, so that it just automatically <laughs> gives all the information to the editor so they can just put it in. You know, they don't have to come to me and say, hey, there's an open spot. Who do I fill it with? Um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, so then when they're done, instead of having them, um, cause right now they have access to the, the servers that serve the content via FTP, they have access to everything. And what I'd like oh, to wow. do is I'd like to restrict that so that instead what they do is they upload the file to this app and then it in turn pushes it via FTP to the server. And that way it manages those credentials. And only the right people have access to put the right stuff in the right place. Yeah, And then it auto generates the links. It puts all that information into WordPress or wherever. And, and that all gets done. And then, like I said, it does all the outreach. Um, you know, maybe it reaches out via Zapier and hits like Hootsuite or something so that you can do your social media planning and, or buffer app or whatever you're using there. And, and that way the whole process is kind of managed front to back. And, you know, I, I some of these tools I just don't see the need to build like social media management. I really, I I don't see a need to be in there. Um, uh, at, at the same time, you know, you have all the information you need for a proper, uh, social media sharing for in the RSS feed. So that kind of thing, you know, I could see, Hey, look, you know, spend five minutes writing a tweet and a Facebook post. And then, um, you know, and then it would just, you know, put all, put that together so that, When it says, hey, guest, go share this, it takes them to a page that's, okay, click here to tweet this, click here to, you know, Facebook this, click here to Instagram, click here to, and, you know, so they can just go through it. And if they want to modify the text, they can, but at the end of the day, then all they have to do is click, 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 and it's all shared, you know, it sends them a thank you. If there's any other kind of follow-up, you know, for for this show, for example, uh, part of the follow-up is doing my Ruby story. And so, you know, it invites them to the other show, um, all of that stuff. Um, I'd also like, I, I'm currently using pipe drive to do a lot of the outreach and tracking a lot of that. And um, I'd like to set up just some really simple, hey, you were on this show, would you like to come on this show? Or things like that, right? So that it, it makes some of those resources really easy to just kind of work a lot of those parallels. Um, but but that's kind of the the gist of where I want to end up. Um, i mean there's podcast sponsorship and two right where it's you know um, as as sponsors currently right now what they can do in the system is they can um, change the talking points and they can upload new banners um, i'd like to set up a email notification or slack notification or something so that if if they upload a new banner or they change the talking points because they want something different in their ad read that it notifies me so that i can record it and you know, and then acknowledge it, basically. Um, And so I'd like to add some of those features in there as well. Um, And then from there, as I get more podcasters using the system, um, a natural outgrowth of this, I think, um, eventually will be that we'll also wind up um, doing some kind of a marketing agency around podcasts. But that's way, way, way down the road. Like, I'm not even really thinking about that. But I've had a few people ask me, hey, can you help us find sponsors? And so for now, I, I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to add a, pod, a sponsorship manager role to podcasts, and then people can assign that to people. And that way, if people want me to help them find sponsors, I can do that because I have the connections to the marketing people. And, you know, and so I'm not really acting as an agency, but I'm sort of acting as an agency. But mostly it just opens things up so that I can manage that. And then, um, you know we can also set up commissions in there um so that you know if they if i send out a proposal to somebody with sponsorship stuff in there and then they pay it through stripe then um it pays it into into the the system's account and then it not, you know it, it builds a list of EFTs that i have to send around later so anyway that that's kind of the direction that i'm looking at heading
2: i like it i Well, you know, the idea that we can create something, you know, organize it, the the idea that, you you know, I mean, this is, um, well, to be honest, I mean, my daughter and I have recorded some podcasts, but getting the whole production together, it's a lot of work. It takes a lot of thinking, Mm -hmm. a lot of follow through.
0: Well, and even if you're the editor and the, you know, the scheduler and everything else, you know, maybe you're doing all of those different jobs, you know, still having a system to track it all the way through. It just makes things a whole lot easier. And then the fact that it just, you know, it it manages your website for you and your feed for you and all that stuff, you know, all the way up to people like, uh, you know, John Lee Dumas from uh, Entrepreneur on Fire or something, you know, he has a whole team of people that work on his stuff. And so then he can just say, OK, you have this role, you have this role, you have this role. And then, you know, he kind of has a full picture role on it. And that way he can he can manage the production. He can be the producer of the show. But all the different parts, he just he doesn't have to worry about them unless something comes in and says, hey, there's a problem. You know, it didn't release on time or, you know, you said you recorded at 10 o'clock and it's, it's five o'clock now and we don't have it or whatever.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. You know, I think even though most of that's on the back end, I think to some degree, it'll just overall seem uh, better to the end user, to the listeners. Mm hmm.
0: Well, that's the thing so. is that, you know, right now as we pull this all together, I mean, I think people are pretty used to it showing up on their phone or whatever. And, and you know, and so they get it and they listen to it and it sounds great. But I have to focus on like 10 different things. And so if I'm able to just focus on, hey, who's the best person to give us this content? Um, How do we mm-hmm. get the best quality out to people? I think you're right in in those senses that, you know, people can consistently rely on the experience they want. Hey, it comes out every Tuesday at, you know, whatever time. And, you know, the the audio quality is always top notch. And, the you know, the sponsorship messages are well produced. And, you know, and so we can work on those things that, yeah, are tangible to the listener. You know, and I don't have to do all the juggling. I can actually just focus on, yeah, what topics do people want want or need to learn about? And who do we get to actually talk about them? And then how do we make that the best show possible?
2: Yeah, I like it.
1: So,
0: yeah, I mean, I, I spent way longer talking about that than I intended, but, <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't even going to bring it up. But yeah, that that's that's kind of the the major thrust of this. But the other thing that's really funny about it is that, um, for me anyway, uh, the listener gets a way better product with a whole lot mm-hmm. less work being done on my part, and and there's a whole lot less like flailing around trying to solve these problems because we already know how to solve them you just follow the process yeah and and i think there are some parallels with that in code right too where it's you know instead of i mean sometimes there are just problems we haven't solved so we got to figure that out but sometimes we wind up you know flailing about a bunch and then it's oh well if i had talked to the team member over here or if we had actually talked about our process for you know creating software or if we had automated things through continuous integration or continuous deployment or you know any of these things right then we we get to the point where hey this is just a solved problem right okay i need to do this how do we do this well we do it with these tools in these ways and so i don't have to go figure it out i just have to go implement it and then it takes me an hour instead of 3 hours to go hunt through stack overflow to figure out how to do something that the guy sitting next to me already figured out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I look forward to those changes.
0: Yep, yeah, me too. It's, it's a lot of work to get them in. I'm trying to get the sponsorship uh, income up enough to where I feel like I can hire somebody to help me build it because I don't have time to do it full time. Um, you know, I have a few hours every week that I've scheduled to work on it, but I don't think that's enough to get it to where I want it to be in the amount of time that I want it to be. So... but anyway it's funny because i talk about i talk about the system and yeah i have other podcasters saying okay so where do i get it and i'm like it 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 only partially exists at the moment
2: (laughs) it's it's great in my head though (laughs) yeah yeah that's true of a lot of my
0: systems (laughs) yeah i imagine how good it's going to be when it's there but
1: yeah
0: cool anyway so yeah well, I think we've been talking for almost an hour. Is there anything else that you guys want to bring up? Or maybe your company's hiring or, you know, I don't know. Stuff you've been thinking about lately?
2: I don't think so. It's an exciting thing to be a part of this, though. I mean, to see what, what's happening, you know, just to, to put out what we know, know that people are, are receiving it. I had an old friend from... Twenty-five years ago, find, found us on Ruby Rogues. <laughs> like, oh, you're part oh, of wow. the community. Says, so yeah, I was just looking for something new. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's nice to be part of something that that can can build people up and give people value.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah it's funny you mentioned that. I had a, uh, I got invited on Facebook to a class of '98. Now you know how old I am. A class of '98 uh, Facebook group for my high school. And, um, you know, so they're like, well, where is everybody at? You know, and so I'm, you know, everybody kind of tells their story. And so I explain, you know, I did programming for a while and did podcasting, and, you know, and, and a few people. Oh, I love podcasts. Does anyone listen to yours? And I'm like, yeah, a few people. But it's just it's funny to see, you know, it just I mean, podcasting wasn't even on the radar when we graduated high school. And, yeah. you know, now it's it's kind of becoming uh I don't know if it's a major media channel yet, but we're going that way. And it's it's really just it's really interesting to see, okay, you know, the, the concepts behind this and then the ways that we can all participate in the communities that we belong to. Yeah. It mm-hmm. it it really it, it really is amazing. And and then yeah, to see the crossover from one community to the other. Um, you know, another example is um when I moved into this house, um one of my neighbors Turned out to be a listener, Ruby Rogues. Oh wow! And so you know, just <laughs> it was just a funny thing, you know. And we start talking, and oh, you do Ruby? Well, I do Ruby, you know. And he's like, oh, wait, you you know, <laughs> you're Chuck? Yeah,
1: I'm Chuck, <laughs>
0: you know. And yeah, it's just so.
1: Yeah. Have you ever had them on the show? Nope. <laughs>
0: nope. I haven't. But yeah, it's it, it it's really interesting just to see how these different. Worlds collide in the ways that we can participate in the community. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's let's go ahead and do some picks. Do you run your own freelance business, or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side? Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere. Available from any device uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says, pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Uh, Dave, do you want to start us off?
1: Not really because the only thing that I could really think of that's really got me excited over the past week is that I got a new computer, but it, it's stupid price tag. It doesn't really make it or qualify it for a pick. But I picked up a iMac Pro, so they're five thousand dollars base. But by the time this is released, the sale's going to be over. But I picked it up at my local micro center for four thousand, which is a insane deal um, to me. And I had just been talking to the wife the night before about picking one up and paying the full price tag. Then I saw it was on sale at Micro Center. So uh, maybe, you know, I'm going to shout out to Micro Center. They're my pick because I love them. They have so much cool stuff, so much components. It's basically like a a grocery store size uh, store full of computer parts. So um, I like them.
0: Nice. You you could pick the iMac Pro, too.
1: Okay, there's my second (laughs) pick. I guess. But the iMac Pro is awesome. It's a base model, but even at the base model, the thing just freaking screams.
2: Awesome. David, what are your picks? I'm going to do a weird one, but we were talking about it, so let's, let's stick with weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a, a tool out there called Spacey. And so the idea is that um, a lot of... It's a Python tool. It's a library. It's natural language processing. So the idea is that language uh, drives things and and what we can learn from language matters and so i am not sure i I like it i I, i'm not sure that i have quite all the control that i want to have yet but i'm i'm liking it so between spacey and then a commercial add-on called prodigy i can really quickly in an hour or two build a a model around text that tells me what it means to me or how i could use that text so in in the uh idea of building better pipelines and connecting what is going on around me with what i need to pay attention to um, i think spacey's part of that i think well, uh, let's talk in a week or two and see if it really is but i think so you know i'm very very impressed with the way they built this and uh, it's one way to build uh, natural language processing models in python awesome Oh.
0: Now, one, one thing that we did talk about here, too, since we're going to be way out there. <laughs> Mine's more out mm-hmm. there. Uh, it's not even tech. But, uh, and, and it's really more the idea than the pick. Um, so I'm just going to preface it by explaining that because I know that the second I say it, some people are going to be like, oh, that's definitely not for me. But we, we talked about learning and just challenging your beliefs and challenging the way you think. And I ran across a podcast. So, you know, uh, I, I mentioned on the show before that I'm, I'm Mormon and uh i ran across a podcast called mormon sunday school and they talk about basically the curriculum for mormon sunday school every sunday and yeah so so folks bear with me there's a point to this (laughs) um they they kind of go beyond sort of the uh standard rote ideas that you can you know that you only have time to bring up in a 40-minute lesson at church um you know because they give you like three or four chapters to talk about out of the scriptures and so you know they you know they've asked some challenging questions about you know is this literal or figurative or both and you know so, some of the things that i had always taken very literally like for example uh the flood um you know it's like well you know there's you know there's not a whole lot of geologic evidence for the flood right but at the same time, you know, it's something that I had always taken literally. And I, I, I think I still believe it literally at this point. But at the same time, you know, it, it made me really think, okay, so are they trying to teach me this kind of lesson or that kind of lesson out of the scriptures? Or does it, you know, and, and I think we see this a lot in code and other things. So, um, I, I guess what I'm telling people to do is just, you know, go find some podcast or, YouTube channel or video or something that really goes at the way that you frame your worldview, Um, you know, they're they're very faithful in the, you know, in the podcast and, you know, they're, they're like, look, you know, we're not trying to challenge anyone's faith. So, you know, uh, we, we put all of our semi out there stuff in a different episode, but at the same time, I think it's healthy for people to go out and actually challenge their worldview. And so, you know, um, you know, it hasn't really shaken my faith per se, but it really has made me think about what all of what, what I believe actually means. Right. And, and how do I approach it and how do I, how do I prove it out to myself? And, you know, it's a, a lot of this is subjective. A lot of it's personal experience, but it's important, uh, to, to think about and to take this to the next level, um, um, and I'll probably wind up releasing the audio for this, you know, pretty soon. But uh, I had a conversation at NG Atlanta with Kim Creighton, and uh, she's um, she's really fascinating. I don't know exactly how to explain who she is that does her justice, um, but we had a conversation about uh, diversity and what it actually means, and. Uh usually when I talk to people at, about diversity, you know, um it, it's re- a war of talking points, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so people mm-hmm. come, you know, and they basically give their talking points for one side or the other. And she came at it completely differently. And just really, it's like, look, here's, here's some of the numbers. Here's some of the evidence. Here's some of the ways that people think about it that's wrong. And here's some of the ways that think of, people think about it that is somewhat constructive. But then also just opening up the dialogue, right? And so um, I, I feel like in a lot of ways, if we don't challenge our thinking and we don't talk about it with other people, and, and I'm really hoping that this is what this show is or becomes, you know, to some degree, um, if we don't really talk about our differences and really talk about what we agree on and don't agree on, and we're and we we kind of shy away from confrontation then we can't have the deep kinds of conversation that really bring people around to understand what's important. And so, you know, um, I, I, I'm not sure that she really convinced me of too many things that I didn't already believe. And, you know, some people have talked to me and they figure out pretty quickly that I'm fairly skeptical on some points of, uh, social justice and I'm not on others. And so, you know, I, I kind of piss both sides off. Um, but at the same time, I mean, that that's the kind of conversation we need to have. You know, we we need to really look at things and say, OK, what do we actually know? What what is actually going to make a difference? What are we measuring that really matters? We do this with code. We do this with science, uh, sort of. I mean, some scientists just come out to prove their own biases. And, th- you know, that happens, too. But to be able to look at these things and actually evaluate them and figure out, what this all means. And I'm not, I'm not advocating any kind of moral relativism or anything like that. I'm really advocating that you think, and then you talk to other people and just really understand what, what the points are and what the ideas are. Um, you know, so I am going to pick Mormon Sunday school podcast. I'm going to pick, uh, Kim Creighton and the stuff that she talked about. And, uh, you know, but, but mainly I, I just really want to, you know, since I have a soapbox here, just advocate that you know what we we have the conversations. Have the conversations that make you uncomfortable. Have the conversations with the people that really piss you off. And see if you can at least understand where they're coming from. Because if you can get there and then you can actually look at the facts together, you may be surprised at how you're both wrong about some of this stuff.
2: Yeah. You know that fits something I was I was reading a blog article as I was waiting to get onto this to record today. And it's written by um, um, Sahil uh, Lavingia. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. He's the guy that started Gumroad. Uh-huh. And he was in San Francisco, and he talked about his experience in San Francisco. And then he, he, he changed how Gumroad runs, and he wanted to take a course by Brandon Sanderson in Provo. Mm-hmm. And so he moves from San Francisco to Provo, and he talks about that, about getting outside of our comfort zone, talking to people that we disagree with, um, experiencing life and realizing that a lot of us, even though we, we we're using a different dictionary and we're saying some of the same things anyway. Um, so I'm gonna add, I'm gonna have two picks, I guess, today. My other one will be that blog article, because it's saying what what Chuck's saying, you know, of getting and Provo's our, weird. Putting ourselves out there. And Provo, yeah, it's the the, <laughs> the 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 most conservative city in the United States above hundred thousand. And um very Mormon, very um very conservative very white so he had a lot of expectations of things and then he came and had those expectations confounded and uh, he realized he had a lot more in common he realized getting out and talking to people that he wouldn't normally talk to he learned a lot you know our worldviews matter and being able to see that we have a worldview and and challenge it or learn from it or grow it that that's that works i would say
1: you know I think it's awesome if people want to have those controversial talks where you know you're talking to someone with an opposing view. But if you can't put your own self aside, I mean, if someone's making a personal attack at you, then you know they're just being a jerk. But those kind of conversations, they have to stay cordial. If yeah. you can't talk to someone calmly, with respect, think about what you are discussing, then the conversation is just going to end. They're going to think you're a jerk. You're going to think they're a jerk. And nothing was accomplished. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, I have a lot of people who have very different views than I do. But we are great friends Mm -hmm. because we are able to have those conversations. They might get a little heated sometimes, you know, just like, you know, um, like they do. But they're never, like, insulting. Right. They're never... They may be insulted by my point of view and I by theirs, but we don't insult each other. We insult the principles or um, the beliefs, not one another. So,
0: yeah, I agree. And I also I mean, some people have a lot of themselves invested in their worldview or they have a very fragile worldview. And if you're one of those people, you know, I'm I'm not advocating that you go out and like destroy your life. Right. Right. So you know, I mean, you need to be conscientious about where this is going to take you, but I think it's a healthy thing if you have enough self-confidence to go out and do this to do it.
2: Yeah, you know, what one of my favorite authors is Chaim Potok, and he was he was a, a he was a rabbi, and he grew up in Brooklyn in the '40s and '50s, and he was there when the Holocaust survivors were coming back, and he was part of an Orthodox community, and he was involved with a lot of. Anti-Semitism, and you know they had to have police guard their synagogues. You know when he was growing up, and he writes these stories that are appealing and and also honest to his experience. You know, he had been a chaplain in in the Korean War, and he had experienced a lot of things. And he had been a great author. He wrote The Promise and The Chosen, My Name Is Asher Lev, The Gift of Asher Lev, and lots of them. I Am the Clay, all these great books that that go to the heart of what we're talking about today. You know, every one of these books are talking about being willing and honest to to confront and to talk and to see the other person and still be who we are, you know, and, and that it doesn't have to be a big war and a big battle. You know, so here's a man who dedicated his whole life to what we're talking about. And I and I think he did it brilliantly. I, I actually named my son after one of his characters, Asher, Um, you know, beautiful ideas and lessons in in learning to be open and, and work with each other and figure it out.
0: Yep. All right. Enough mushy stuff. Let's go ahead and wrap this one up.
2: All right. <laughs> the a fun day. Fun day today.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I like, I like having a little bit different on, uh, you know, the, the 50, x episode. So anyway, um, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Um, hopefully you all got to know us a little bit better. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe we gave you something to think about. Who knows? But yeah, we'll be back next week with, you know, just another regular episode. In fact, now that I'm working on this tool, I can actually tell you <laughs> what the episode is. Um, and I probably <laughs> ought to do that as we uh, as we do this. But uh, yeah, uh, next week we're going to be posting our Thwarting Insider Threats episode that we recorded with Greg Cushto. So uh, definitely check that out. Um,
1: Wait, so isn't that going to be released before this one's released? Nope. Oh, really? Okay, never mind. I'll shut up
0: no nope. <laughs> you know because because uh, this is 300 or 350 so so we had to rearrange the schedule a little bit to get a ah, ah. in there so yeah so anyway um so yeah so we'll catch you all next week with that one and uh yeah looking forward to another 350 episodes of ruby rogues
1: yeah Woo-hoo! All right bye
0: bandwidth for this segment is provided by cashfly the world's fastest cdn